episode of Setting the Tone, and in our retrospective, in short, we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today, we'll be discussing Season 7, Episode 21, which is titled Where the Heart Is. The episode aired on May 10, 2001. Lauren, what was going on that week 21 years ago? Douglas Adams, author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy novels, dies after suffering a massive heart attack at age 49. I did not realize he was that young when he passed. I also completely always forget that that's a book series, not just a single book. Yep. Yeah, same. Uh, The Mummy Returns, the sequel to the 1999 cinematic masterpiece The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz, debuts and trounces the competition to take the number one box office spot. It was like 83 million or something like that to like 8 million. I remember when this came out because I remember seeing the ads for it everywhere and they had like the really cool 3D, not maybe not 3D, but the big uh, cardboard cutouts of like Mm. the sand mummy face and stuff. I just remember being all over the movie theaters when I was, like, nine. Also, now, the best Mummy movie, and with the even though it contains some of the worst CGI... Okay, so this is, the one, this is the one with The Rock. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So this is also the beginning of uh, The Rock uh, movie star. Like, Dwayne Johnson, The yeah. Rock movie mm-hmm. star. This is, this is the genesis of it, because mm-hmm. uh, when we talked about WrestleMania 17 a few weeks ago, the night after WrestleMania 17, they wrote him off television so that he could go make this movie. Which actually, mm-hmm. that timeline doesn't quite match up, so I think he must have yeah. already filmed it, but they must have been letting him go so that he could do press and stuff for it. Yeah, He um, might he might also have been filming stuff, because um, I, I forget if it's 2002 or 2003, where, like, Walking Tall. And, yeah, Walking Tall. They, 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 was that, that was the... Sean the, William the, Scott. Yeah. Um, uh, shit. Yeah. I can't think of the name of it. But it's... Um, this is the first attempt at making... Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, the movie star, which largely people forget this. This largely fails. Like him being mm-hmm. a movie star kind of flops the first go around. And it's really mm-hmm. not until around, I would say like nine, 10 years from now, like 2010, 2011 is where the rock movie star kind of starts to gain traction. And now he's like a brand unto himself. And like, is this like, you know, one of, if not the highest paid actor in all of Hollywood. But this first attempt at it where he they try to make him into, like, the next Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. is a complete flop. The Scorpion King is a half-decent action movie, though. Nah. It's half-decent. I've seen it once, so I can't make that face at you. I didn't say it was good. I, <laughs> I just said I can't make that face at you because I've only seen it it's once. Gonna, it's so. going to really bug me what the name of that other movie was, though. While Lizzie's looking that up, last but certainly not least, All For You by Janet Jackson is still the number one song. I might watch watch The Mummy this week. The Rundown is the name of that movie. Ah, The Rundown, yes. Also Uh, a very very decent movie. As for what else was on that evening, at 8 p.m., Friends with the one with Chandler's dad... Uh, at 8.30, in uh, matters of uh, interest of Lauren, uh, The Weakest Link with uh, Survivor Edition. Uh, so I guess I'm assuming this is cast members of uh, Survivor playing The Weakest Link. Could be. Uh, Seems like uh, some weird cross-brand synergy oh, between NBC all, and CBS. No, all the time they would do shit like this. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they attempted to, like, you know, use Saturday Night Live a few months back to try to, like, leech some of the massive viewer... Uh, numbers away from cbs and now they're just like fine if you can't beat them just join them mm-hmm. uh, but of all of the like re- uh, primetime reality show game shows that were popular around this time like who wants to be a millionaire and later on like deal or no deal this one was like by far i think the one that had the 
well, maybe not by far, because I'm sure there were other ones that were even less forgettable. But of all the successful ones, I feel like The Weakest Link is the one that had like the least staying power. I don't hear anyone have any nostalgia for The Weakest Link nowadays. Like you have people who want, uh, who wants to be a millionaire to come back, but The Weakest Link. I just Link love is... the Doctor Who uh, spoof of it they did. Today yes. I learned there's a Doctor Who spinoff <laughs> or a no, spoof no, no. of uh, The Weakest Link. Yeah. It's part of like one of the season finales. I forget. Is it season? It's not season one. I think it's season two. Anyway, at nine p.m., Will and Grace with the episode "Last of the Really Odd Lovers," and at nine thirty, just shoot me with the episode "At Long Last Alley." This week's episode had twenty three point one million viewers tuning in. Directed by Richard Thorpe, doing his fifteenth out of thirty one. Previous ones of his from this season include "Thy Will Be Done" and "Benton Backwards." And written by the team of Dee Johnson, doing her fourth out of 19. Previous one of hers from this season were April Showers, Rock, Paper, Scissors, and the previously mentioned Benton Backwards. And Meredith Steam, doing her third out of six. And her previous ones from this season include Sailing Away and Thy Will Be Done. Uh, we, we finally have another alternate title. Remember we were on that kick for a while where all the episodes had alternate titles? Uh, this one was apparently in some markets uh, titled Taking Care. Um, and as usual, the alternate title, not as good as the one they actually went with. Mm-hmm. So glad That's they, an alternate st- title. glad they stuck with the one they did. Uh, and no Corday and no Romano this week. All right. Uh, we get our previously on from Cleo and we open with Cleo and Reese playing. It looks like either Scooby Duke little card game or puzzle or something, but just very cute. The two of them playing together in the morning and, uh, Benton asks if Reese had had breakfast yet, and Cleo was like, oh, he didn't eat his cereal, but I gave him some strawberries. And Benton's like, well, he needs to have his his cereal before he has treats. And uh, Cleo's like, no, I'm a pediatrician. They're both perfectly fucking healthy. He can have strawberries. <laughs> it won't kill him. And uh, she's gonna end, she ends up offering to watch Reese because she has the day off, so they don't need the babysitter to come in. Okay, cool. Um... Benton is clearly nervous leaving them alone, and she says that, oh, you know, we'll go, he'll come to the game tonight, it'll be great, you guys can come watch me play, and there's some tensions about her going over to Carla's to pick up Reese's coat, to which I asked, if it's cold enough for him to need a coat in the first place, why didn't Carla send him one to begin with? Got him there. She's got other things on it. Nope, 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 nope. And yep, like I said, they're going to go watch Cleo play at the softball game tonight. Uh, later. Uh, let's go to our first audio clip here. Abby and Maggie are walking in the park. God, I slept so great in dreams. It's so wonderful to be able to dream again. Obviously, the therapy sessions are helping in these walks. Good. You know what? You don't have to stay home all the time. I'm sure Luca would love to see you. It's only been a couple of weeks. He's a good man. Yep. So is your friend John. Yeah. Must be fun to have two men interested in uh-uh. me. Ah, Mom. I've mm-hmm. had men interested in me all my life, you know, just not good ones. Actually, I think your father was the best compared to all the rest, but certainly blew that. I think we should head home. Why is it we can't talk? We're talking. No, I mean about important things. You know, Dr. LeGaspi says it it might be easier for us to do it in a therapy session. Do what? Talk. She wants you to come to one of the sessions. I want you to come too, please. 
You could come during lunch break. I'm gonna head back. Abby, will you come? I'm gonna go to work. Come on, just, just think about it, all right? Okay, so one thing I wanted to say with this episode, and I'm gonna say it here before I forget. Um, this episode, and I think the one previously, I see where a lot of anti-Abby folks come from with, you know, her avoidance and the lack of approachability in things. I'm mm -hmm. not saying I agree with it, but I'm saying I can see how, you know, for some people who maybe haven't gone through this kind of stuff or who like their fiction to be escapism, mm -hmm. I can see how her very valid and real responses to some of this shit can really bother people hmm. i again think it's beautifully performed and you even see it here in this little conversation they have any sort of veering towards real conversation or family history or anything she's like i want no part of it let's go home yeah so very well done by both of them but i just wanted to point out that like i can see why people would not dig abby with mm -hmm. these last couple episodes but i'm still i'm still here for it yeah, and you can also uh, just, like, completely, like, recycle that, uh, what, seven-minute stretch from the last episode where we were like, hey, we're done with Maggie for a while, and uh, let's, like, debrief on all of Lauren's trauma. It was, like, five, it was literally, like, five seconds into turning on this episode that I was like, ah, shit, well, we thought we were done with Lauren getting punched in the dick this season. This, this one wasn't as bad. This one was okay, so. Yeah, this, this was is... at least, we're on the upswing. Yeah. So, for now, at least. The for, okay. for now. That's okay. Lauren's still standing. She can take all the dick punches in the world. That's right. Well, we go from there. Uh, speaking of dick punches, we go from there uh, to Carrie stopping off uh, hesitantly Oof. at uh, Kim's front door uh, when, oh no, a wild palf appears. Uh, and <laughs> there's a no, new... She, no, no. She is a pal uh, presumed... How, how far can we take this? How, no, how... no. What was, what was the PA? Uh, presumed additional lesbian friend. Okay. Uh, presumed additional lesbian lover. That's what oh, Carrie so she's thinks a, is going uh, on here. So she's a I mean, she could be. I mean, it could be either one. I mean, you can be, you know, but, friends but too. The way Carrie reacts to this, she is a presumed lover. Sure. She, yes. She and I think that's a, a safe assumption, actually. Yes. I think that's... So, pal... Uh, but, yeah. Uh, so, not great. Uh, I mean, it's great for Kim. Uh, yeah. and, and this woman is very polite to Carrie. She's like, oh, do you want to come in? Like... Can I get your name? Like she's very, right. she's very welcoming and like under maybe not understanding might be the wrong word, but like she's she doesn't make it weird. Yeah, she does her she does the very best that she can given the circumstances. I think it's Carrie who's taken a little bit of back here, but yeah. uh, we do go in with bangs and we come out of the intro uh, to Mark sleeping at a table <laughs> when Chen wakes him up for some paperwork. Uh, we have an EMT firefighter brought in a seven year old who started a fire in a trash can. Uh, so we, we have an EMT firefighter who brought in a seven-year-old who started a fire in a trash can. Little boy's name is Ben. Uh, and I didn't catch his name at first. So for the first like mm -hmm. half of this episode, I just had him down as angry kid. Also like, acceptable. <laughs> uh, his neighbor came in with him uh, because his dad was not around uh, or his parents were not around, I should say. Uh, we see Randy and Malucci looking over at a car catalog. And uh, Randy is uh, giving Malucci some shit because he uh, apparently walks all the time. So... And uh, we learned that the upcoming softball game is against the sanitation department. And I like that we like it sort of feels like uh, the, the softball is like a like 
maybe not spiritual successor because they kind of ran it concurrently, but it like it's a spiritual sibling to the basketball hoop mm-hmm. because this is at least the second time and possibly third that we've gone to the softball well over the years. And we've heard from people on the crew that that the softball games were like an actual thing that they did uh, with Aww. cast and crew. So uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Carrie needs to talk to Carter. Morning. Morning there, Chef. Hey. Dem. Could you excuse us a minute? Oh, sure. Your application was intercepted by administration. Processing time has improved. Uh, You realize you're still in a probationary period? Which will be completed by the time the chief residence slot needs to be filled. Why do you want to do this? Well, it gets me closer to a junior faculty position. Looks good on the CV. No. I mean, why risk compromising your recovery by taking on a new and very demanding position? I guess I don't see it as a risk. Having teaching and administrative responsibilities along with your clinical shifts. I'm in the program. I've been managing my stress. I got myself back up to speed. Carter, you'd all but give up nights and weekends. It's a tremendous amount of work. I'm ready for it. You can't just gloss over what happened last year, either can the committee. You're returning my application? Did you honestly think that you'd make the first cut? Ouch. Uh, yeah, it is ouch, uh, but I, I feel just, like... Just, no, just the, la- the last line is ouch. The yeah. rest of it, completely grown up and feasible conversation. Yeah. yeah, tough, but I think fair. Right, yeah. I think Carrie has every reason to be concerned about this. Like, not only are we, not only are we really not that far removed from, um, from Carter's initial, you know... The, the, the initial addiction stage of things and we're really not that far removed from the relapse so mm-hmm. like you know uh, she has legitimate concern for or legitimate reason for concern here and you know I think at the added stress of being chief resident would like be a potential trigger for that and I think he has every right too to think that he is capable of doing it but it's yet another example of him not really taking his recovery seriously, like, or, or at least, um, at least not like not giving it the weight and the like significance that it, that it requires. Like he doesn't treat it as an ongoing thing. He treats it as something that he did is done with and has moved, moved beyond. And it's going to come back and bite him in the ass eventually. Yeah. I, and I like how she says it was intercepted. Right. What yeah. does that even mean? <laughs> but um, that means alarm bells went off in Benton's office and Romano's office, and every every single person who deals with any sort of job or admissions or anything, <laughs> they brought in the whole thing, and then they had to like bring in a hazmat team to get the application, <laughs> and then with uh... giant tongs, just deposit it on back on Carrie's desk. This is for you. Yeah. I mean, I do think I do think it would have been at least I don't know, maybe maybe she's looking at it from the perspective of she doesn't want to waste his time. But I don't think it would have been the worst thing in the world to let him go through the process of interviewing for it yeah, and prove that he could at least like get that experience, even if they weren't going to seriously consider him for the position. But I can see I, I can see her argument for not wanting to yeah, waste his time. I would ra- I'm of the opinion I would rather have the bandaid ripped off early. Sure. Like, don't lead me on. And when to think that there's something here when there's really not. Right. Like, I'm sure this man has plenty of experience interviewing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah. Oh, then we go over to Mark examining feisty little Ben with Abby, and uh, Ben continues to be a shouting seven-year-old, and the neighbor lady who brought him in complains to Mark right in front of Ben that she doesn't want him around her son, which real fucking adult lady. Cool. Um, and Luca asks Abby if she can play softball since their second baseman has the flu, and... She's like, I don't really know. I don't. And he says, one night away from your mother isn't going to do anything. And he misses her. So very sweet, I guess. Um, And Chen asks Carter what the conversation was about with Carrie. And he fesses up. And we learn that she applied, too, for chief resident. And he says, oh, of course, you're a shoo-in. And congratulates her ahead of time. Speaking of uh, potentially false hopes. (laughs) Uh. Yeah. Uh, I forgot I highlighted this part for me. Not much. <laughs> I, I mean, I can keep going. No, it's okay. I've barely talked so far. Uh, Benton's at Carla's place to pick up the jacket, and she is immediately mm. flirting with him mm. and playing the whole Roger moved out and my, my husband left me. Oh, dear. Card with soft music in the background, mm. and she's in, mm. she's, you could tell she's particularly dressed to impress mm-hmm. we shall say mm-hmm. yeah and she drops the line it would have saved us both a whole lot of trouble if we had just stayed together peter mm. and apparently Ro- apparently roger never loved her ah, i just sure. showered <laughs> I, yeah the next the next notes are here are uh <laughs> and stop touching him all in capital letters yep that they are yeah. Because so. she's like leaning on him and like try, trying to like touch his shoulder and just 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 being uh, a flirt. Yeah. Uh, she's coming on to him. No mixed signals here no. going on here, folks. Uh, but he goes to leave when his phone rings and he's being really short with her. With Cleo, I yeah. should. Oh, yeah. He's, he's being really short with Cleo because uh, apparently Reese has banged his fingers in the piano. Oh. Well, he he's being short and weird because Carla's being super flirtatious, yeah. and he's like, "What the fuck? This is weird." Blah blah blah. And Cleo's of course distracted and is like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" And then she sees Reese go over to like touch the piano and yeah, uh, it, it's tray. it's such like I, I don't really understand why Benton isn't more forthcoming with Cleo about what's happening because it's it seems like a little bit of like fuzzy sitcom logic where like if you yeah. if you'd have just come out and said like yeah i came over here and she's being real fucking weird uh i feel yeah, like really such a grabby. right i feel like that could have solved a lot of problems and potentially maybe avoided this whole reese situation because cleo wouldn't be so distracted but i don't know it's just uh, this whole scene made me want to leave my body the straights like, aren't okay holy cow like and remember too like you know, rewind a few years. Remember what electric buzzing chemistry these two had when they first got together and what a masterful job these writers have done of making her so radioactive as a person that her showing any sort Again. of like interest in him. It's like you're immediately they, like, Ugh. they do Carla so dirty. They like, they do. I know but... we complain about her and with reason, but oh, they did Carla so dirty. She could have been such a cool powerhouse without being turned into this yeah they especially it seems like they really dial it up to 11 this episode which spoilers Mm -hmm. is her last on-screen appearance this episode so like they really and and, you know there was some some of the stuff i was reading online you know about this episode like there's some i don't know i don't know if this has ever been confirmed or what but like there's some amount of conjecture that the 
direction they take Carla's character was a direct response to how difficult the actress was to work with. Like, because she's dealing with her bipolar disorder here and she's not doing well and it's not managed, she's not on medication and she, you know, she's going to get let go from two very high profile series basically back to back very soon here. Uh, This and Allie McBeal. And then she basically doesn't act for 15 years. Like, she take she just removes herself from Hollywood entirely. Um, but, yeah, there's some conjecture that, like, basically they, they made her character so unpleasant so that people wouldn't want to see her and they wouldn't have to work with her. Like, they wouldn't have to keep writing her into episodes was kind of the the thinking that I, I was reading about. So it's, it's, it is sad. I mean, because this was a character, I think, that started out with a lot of potential and just, like, immediately devolves okay i'm sorry but the irony of that happening while they're doing such amazing and sympathetic work with maggie right yeah i know it's like, it is a little which you know again that's unconfirmed I, I know. it could be I just know. somebody you know in you know internet land connecting dots that aren't really there but it, it is just sort of unfortunate that this is the last chance that this actress mm-hmm. has to you know redeem this character on screen because we're never going to see carla on screen again after this episode uh it's just it's not great. It's also not great that the last, like, uh, or or the most, I should say, the most uh, functional is not the right word, but the the most didn't make you want to leave your body. Uh, romantic context scene that involved Benton in the last twelve months took place on a staircase, like with <laughs> like because we've had this, and then we had the thing with Kanisha. Like all of that just makes me want to leave my body, and like makes me want nothing to do with this, and it's just like. Oh. A listener brought up the staircase thing today, too, and that's just why it's fresh in the <laughs> mind, but... Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, so... But my question is, why were the piano... Uh, why was the piano key guard up in the first place? Maybe she had been playing. Maybe. The real question is, you know... I mean, I guess it's... We're still in the a little bit of the Clinton economy here. Like, may, what, who has a piano? Like, who... Come on, Cleo. guys. My fa- like, my Cleo. Family, my family had a piano. What? Yeah, around this time. We before we moved to before we moved out to the western suburbs. Who in your family plays piano? No one. That's why we sold it when we moved. Jesus Christ. This is, All right, Daniel, what happened? Th- this is how Lizzie comes out to us as a member of the one percent. All right. Uh Malucci uh is showing Carter someone scans. Uh his he has a crying neck pain patient, uh, and Carter says that he needs to give him an LP. Uh we also see Nothing happens with this guy, right? I don't think. Nothing. Not a lick of fucking development on this one. Uh, because we're in the shit post Malucci uh, era here. Like we're we're just in the like we're, we're in the like two two weeks to graduation era of Malucci here, where they're just phoning it in until he's gone. Uh, Carrie is uh, asked to talk to Chen. They go into the lounge and start discussing the uh, chief resident position. We find out that she is three months behind on her procedures and other coursework because of her maternity leave, and that she won't qualify as a uh, senior because of it, and won't be a ch- won't be a candidate for chief resident after all. And Chen is rightfully pissed here and is like, you all but offered me this position before my pregnancy and, you know, what the fuck? And tries to advocate for herself and Carrie says that she'll take it under advisement and who... AKA, no. Right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, That's the I'll add it to the list of the professional professional world. Uh, Yeah, this sucks. Especially because Chen says in the media, like, that she's willing to do the work to be, to get herself caught up and it just because of, like, some vague departmental policy, she can't and that takes her out of the running. And so it's just really shitty because she's willing to do the work to get 
get compliant, get caught up, and they just won't let her. We go over to Abby treating Ben with some burn cream. Uh, he tries to grab her as a joke, and Mark examines his hands, and they're going to get an x-ray because something's a little tender. Uh, ben bumps his head on the light, and Mark looks and sees there's a big bruise right behind his ear. Ay, ay, ay. This is when... Uh, what's that's when Lauren God I don't know why I blanked on your name for like two seconds there I love you uh this is when Lauren removed removed this this kid yeah. from the shitty kids list he he was on he was on my potentially precocious shitty kids list at the very beginning of this I had him in there and then the minute we got to this I was like oh well for the first like 10 minutes of the episode he is like borderline sociopath like he is yeah. he is but, awful but then, but then you realize there's a, why. right you realize there's a reason why so he he does, he does, he will not even get honorary mention uh, when we do wrap up next week. Um, he he is not a shitty kid. He is in a shitty circumstance. But we see Carrie pass off an ACL tear in exam two. Um, she she also yells at him and says, "You're a resident. You're not going to be able to afford a car." Cool. Um, Kim shows up and asks Carrie why she came by the house. Turns out the woman Lori is someone Kim had been seeing for a short while, and Luca interrupts because he needs something from Carrie. Uh, and at this time, Abby grabs Kim to talk, and Kim says she can't discuss Maggie's treatment with Abby, but Abby just asks if she can have an idea of what to sp- expect in joint therapy. Mm. And uh, Cleo's with Reese when Carla runs in making a huge fuss. Uh, he fractured his hand and won't be able to sign for a few months. Not great. You, you just picked the worst things to talk yeah. about this episode. <laughs> I didn't even. Re- I was just. I was just highlighting at random intervals or whatever. Uh, but yeah. So, baby Reese will need a cast. Uh, Benton asks if they can have. A few, ask Cleo if they can have. If him and Carla can have a few minutes, and Carla confronts Cleo out in the hallway and. Mm says, I don't want to see this bitch anywhere near Reese again. Uh, you gotta do the emphasis. I don't want to see this bitch anywhere near <laughs> Reese again. Because she, she puts some stank on bitch. She really... Yeah. Mm. yeah, Ben walks back in the room with Carla and shuts the door and, bye Carla? Yeah, this is it. This is the last on-screen appearance of Carla. Uh, I see ya. Yeah, what a way to go out. I mean, obviously, it's not. This is not a Bob. There's an obvious, uh, you know, definitive yeah. definitive ending for Carla, but that won't come until next season. Um, pretty early. I was about to say what, but we only have like an episode left, so that makes sense. Yeah, pretty early into next season, I think. Um, well, it has to be because Benton's gone by mid season. But, um, but yeah, this is it for Carla. And like we talked about earlier, it's you know. Uh, a very uh, inauspicious ending for on-screen ending for a character who you know when when she first appeared on screen and the first time we saw her and Benton paired up on screen there was definitely some undeniable chemistry there and uh, a character a character that could have had some uh, had potential for tremendous depth and growth and uh, they just chose to kind of make her a harpy after a, a bit yep as soon as Reese came on the scene, yeah, yeah. As soon as Reese shows, it's it's like it's like Reese was everything good about Carla, and as soon as he was out of her, she was just full Darth oh. Vader, full evil. But uh, yeah, not great. 
Uh, we go from there to Kara. Uh, Kara. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's the Carrie and Luca ship name for all you fan fiction people out there. Jesus Christ. Uh, Carrie and Luca in the ambulance bay. Uh, there's a hit and run with an ETA of five minutes coming in. And Luca says it's like waiting for thunder after lightning strikes, which is a great way to put that. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, tells Luca kind of conf- she she's practically catatonic during this whole scene here. Like you can just tell that she's very shook up by the fact that Kim is moving on. And she just kind of dejectedly tells Luca that her and Kim's relationship has ended, which I still don't think was ever like plainly confirmed to him but i think he just sort of put the pieces together for himself he he had walked in on enough of them having heated conversations that it's like okay exactly she she thinks out of anybody luca knows and she thinks out of anybody luca's gonna understand because he's been through some of those trickier like uh gay patients trying to you know advocate for their rights early on so she knows he's at least not gonna be an asshole about it right and i think it is just another uh great example of one of my favorite you know platonic professional pairings mm-hmm. on the show luca and carrie is an underrated Which pairing i forgot i forgot how great they are together yeah i, I and love i continue to forget it i love luca and carrie together and i love how much that relationship grows over the years and i i love where it i love where it ends up and so like that's that's really it's it's really cool to see these like early examples of it and, you know, we get excellent uh, little advice from Luca here, of, you know, saying, do you love her? Go forward. Don't look back. And I also want to point out here that as they're standing out in the ambulance uh, bay waiting, well, it's not really the ambulance bay. It's like a side door. Like, it's the, it's not the mm-hmm. usual spot. Um, Luca is standing there. He's got, like, a cup of coffee in one hand, and he's just kind of leaning up against the railing with the other with his gloves on, on the nasty-ass yep. stair rail. That he's then ostensibly gonna be like poking around in somebody's you know body cavities with in just a minute. Yeah, it's like oh, <clears throat> if we if we nitpicked every single time that they broke. Oh, I know, uh, I know. Teams, it's yeah. like and it's not always as egregious and noticeable as this. Yeah, it's not always as egregious as this, but like this one is like I pointed it out. I could have pointed it out from a mile away. Like my dude, I need you to get a new pair of gloves immediately. Uh, but that hit and run does come in. A 50-year-old male guy by the name of Jim Vogel got sideswiped by a car while working on his own. Uh, he's being brought in with a developmentally challenged woman who was also injured. Uh, Carrie works to get her out of the rig because she's just kind of like fascinated by the the mm-hmm. ambulance and is like tr- basically treats it like a carnival ride and is like I want yeah. I want to go again. Uh, and we find out that uh, she is the man's sister uh, and her name is Bonnie. All right, let's go to our next audio clip here. Um, Abby is going up to meet Maggie in Kim's office. Sorry I'm late. It's fine. We're glad you could join us. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Please know that we both understand how awkward it can be to step into someone else's therapy. It's okay. I'm fine. Maggie, do you want to continue? Sure. Um, so, uh, Dr. Lugaspi and I were talking about, well, we were talking about a lot of things, but we were talking about ways that I could stay healthy, you know, how to position myself to get it together, keep on track. And um, part of that is that I've decided to go home. Have you talked to Eric? No, not Florida. 
I'm home, home. I, I'm going back to Minnesota. You haven't been to Minneapolis in 15 years, Mom. I know that. I know. I I haven't, but I grew up there, and I feel like I belong there. I've got, you know, a little bit of family and some friends. What friends? Gina. You remember Gina? Well, I'm going to stay with her, and she has a spare room. She th thinks she could get me a job in the convalescent hospital where she works. Really? And when did you arrange all this? Last week. I, she accepted a collect phone call from me. She was glad to hear from me, Abby. She was glad to talk to me. S anyway, I, I, I'll, I'll save enough money and I'll get a place of my own. <laughs> a place of your own? Yes, a place of my own. With no roommates, no men, just me. Maybe a cat. A cat? That would be a great pet. Cat. <laughs> Abby, are you reacting to your mother's plans? I'm not reacting. <laughs> I, I'm just... Just, just what? Nothing. Abby, I can't stay here in Chicago. I don't want to go to Florida. It's just too easy for me to be a drain on you and to... You know, I think we're way past that at this point. What is your objection to your mother going home? Nothing. It's very romantic. You're not happy about it? I don't know what, what you want me to say, yippee. She's going home. Fabulous. That solves all the problems. I, what? Then what is your solution? I don't have a solution. I, I, I don't have a, I don't think there is a solution. And to, to talk about this as if it were some sort of life management problem that you can plan your way out of is, well, it's absurd. Then what do you suggest? I, I don't know. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. So I guess you're right. You have to do something, Mom. Good luck. So what, you're leaving? You wanted to tell me. You told me. Well, I'm not going for a week or so. Okay, great. See you later. Oh, boy. Uh... <laughs> so, Lauren, you want first crack at this? Um, I hate to say it, but I... If... Again, if I had been Abby's age and shit like this was going on with my dad, I would have had the exact same fucking reaction. Like, oh, you're going to get a job. You're going to get a job and you're going to get your own place and, and everything's going to be fine and you're going to get a cat. Like, I've heard this before. Mm-hmm. Let's, yeah, okay, great, sure. Fairies and hip, fairies and rainbows and unicorns exist too. Great, okay, cool. Like, I, yep, yeah, 100%. As much as uncomfortable as it is and as much as Abby can be unlikable in this moment, and, like, we understand where she's coming from, but right. damn, she sells it. And I'm just sitting here like, mm-hmm, yep, I've been there. Mm -hmm. At 12 years old, I was already there. So, yep. Even not having been exposed to... That level of a, trauma? Yeah, that level of trauma in real life. Um, I would still be on Abby's side here. Yeah. it's It, it, it seems like with just, how, just Maggie's track record... I hate to say it, but I think Abby is justified in taking a guilty and guilty until proven innocent type approach oh, yeah. to it. I love her line like, oh, this is just some life management problem that you can just plan your way out of. Now, to be fair, on the flip side, 
mental illness. It's incredibly important to have structure. It's incredibly important to have routine. It's incredibly important to have plans and not to just cast out in the wild. So I think it's admirable and I think it's great what Abby's doing. I like that she's trying to get away from a self-destructive environment and go back to somewhere she feels safe where she can build a sense of community. But holy shit, I've been where Abby is. So like, I'm rooting for Maggie but I have been Abby. <laughs> like, right. I think, I think fuck. it's, I think it's like you said, it's fine that, or it's, it's good. It's a positive thing that, that Maggie wants to make these kinds of changes and stuff. But I also think that like the part that honestly surprises me the most, or, or takes me the most back aback is how quickly and fully Kim seems to just buy it. Like, and is, is like bought in a hundred percent and like not, which it's fine to have that attitude with Maggie, like, because Maggie's the one who is trying to develop these structures and she, as her therapist, you know, she should be supportive and she should be trying to foster that sort of stuff. But she sort of treats Abby as though she's being difficult. And it's like, there's an evidence based approach to this here of like, Abby's got reason to feel like this. I think part of it is when you are one person's therapist. And yes, it's very true that therapists have to try and take a neutral ground when they're seeing two parties at once. My therapist has told me time and time again, if I bring somebody else into the session, she is, quote, treating both of us and she will not take sides. So from that standpoint, I understand we want Kim to be neutral and we want her to, like, see where Abby's coming from. Yeah. But at the same time, I think she's realizing from a professional setting that Maggie is the one who may need a bit more of the facilitation as far as communication goes. Because she's not outrightly saying, Abby, you're wrong. No. She's saying, okay, yes, we understand there's been issues, but how do we move forward? Like, what what is the solution then? What is the plan like, yes, we're upset about this. Yes, this happened. But, like, where do you go from here? Mm-hmm. Because if you're only going to sit in on one session, that's got to be your focus. If she's going to sit in on a 10-pack with with Maggie <laughs> and, like, unpack all, like, a year of trauma, fine, they have time to do that. But if Kim's really trying to get the nitty-gritty down because she knows Maggie's leaving town and she wants to get this framework laid, mm-hmm. she's got to kind of... Which, yeah, I guess that's the other part of the equation for me, too, is, like, what are they hoping to accomplish by roping Abby in on this? Like, do they need Abby's help to facilitate this move? I, or is I, it just that they want to have some sort of, like, closure on this part of it before I, Maggie goes to Minneapolis? Because as, as someone who lives in Minneapolis and you all live in Chicago, it's a six-hour drive. Like, it's not like she's moving to the moon. Like, it's not like they're never going to see each other again. I think it's more Kim probably looks at it and feels that it's important for Maggie's, I want to say development for lack of a better term, for her treatment and for her well-being that sure. she goes with a sense of Abby's blessing. Sure. That's the only thing I could think of for why Kim kind of leans so heavily into this this episode. Yeah. Fair enough. But also, uh, I'm glad I put this in the notes because we discussed all this and I totally would have forgotten. Uh, Abby doesn't even knock. She hears Maggie and Kim talking and she just walks in. Uh, that's medical student Abby, according to your name tag. <laughs> hey, as somebody who uh, uh, whose job title changed in March and didn't get a new name tag that reflected it until like September, I get it. <laughs> you know, like sometimes the department that handles the name tags is a little behind on things. So, you know, it's I'll cut him a little slack on that one. Oh. Yeah, it's really fucking awkward sitting on someone's someone else's therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they handled the body language beautifully. Having sat in on someone else's therapy, they handle that awkward, like, 
okay, who am I talk like who do I talk to? Yeah. What are like what yeah, they handle it really well. What's going well. on here, fucks? <laughs> what's going on? What do we need to talk about? What's what's on the agenda? What happens next, Lauren? <laughs> Sorry. Um, so then Ben's dad has shown up. Great, because we've gone from bad to worse on this fucking episode. Uh, Mark Mark goes in to talk to him. His name is Derek Fawson, and Daniel, who plays Derek? Uh, this episode is real light on the oh, hey, it's that guy, so we got to take him where we can get him here. Uh, Derek is the closest thing we have to one. He is played by actor Ted Marco, uh, and he has appeared on stuff like One Life to Live, NYPD Blue, and Ghost in the Machine, and of course, he's making his first of two very memorable appearances uh, before we all know what happens next week. Oh! Yeah! 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 yeah. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> Did not. Oh, oh, shit! Yeah. This is why we're gonna watch the episode of the finale twice. Yeah. I. There's a lot. There's a lot going on with bullets and murder and carjacking and. I didn't even put it together that this is that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! How many? I've seen this show like twice, guys. I'm the worst person <laughs> to have on this fucking podcast. You want I'm, to talk about sociopaths? I'm not qualified to be here. Um, but anyway, are, are we? Are, are any of us truly qualified to be doing this podcast? Uh, more than me. That's fair. Uh, but then, so Mark asks Mr. Derek to step outside to chat in the hall, and uh, Derek wants to just take Ben home and be done with this. But Mark says that they have to wait for a psych consult first. So great, this can only end well. Clearly, um, and then we see Chen is working with Bonnie. And like cleaning up her forehead wound, and it turns out that they were headed to the park when the accident happened because today is park day, and we learned that uh, their parents had died in a car crash too. This, to, and again, I will uh, preface this by saying this is to the best of what I was able to glean from my my very cursory and and brief Google search. Like I didn't do like a deep deep dive, um, but to the best of what I could tell. I think this might be the first example on the show of them having a developmentally disabled person and have it be played by a person who is not themselves developmentally disabled. Like, cause we've had, we've had, we've had down syndrome people on the show before and they've, they've had them played by uh, people with down syndrome. We've had people with developmental disabilities on the show before that have been played by people with developmental disabilities. And this might be the first example. It's, it's probably not the last, but it's it might be one of, if not the first, examples of them having uh, a you know, uh, what's the what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, neurotypical. neurotypical. Thank you. Neurotypical uh, actor or actress portraying someone with a developmental disability. So, and I it's not, and this is not a knock on the actress who is playing her. Like I don't think she it's I don't think it's an offensive portrayal or anything. I'm just no, like I, I just know that that's you know a hot button topic like. You know, we even talked about it a little bit with, you know, Paul McCrane and um, Laura. Laura, you know, like of that whole thing of like representation in the disabled community. And, yeah. you know, this is this is a nuanced take on developmental disability as a portrayal. But mm-hmm. you could have that conversation about this of like, should this be a actress who is developmentally I, disabled? I think in today's age, it absolutely would be without a doubt. Like we're seeing far more actors and actresses with disabilities. Mm-hmm playing those roles and not just token roles either like like roles with stuff to do like like walt jr uh right addy in um american horror story like the 80s 80s 90s i would say i would argue that by this time like early to early aughts they were getting away from it 
But especially in the 80s and 90s, there was a big like tokenization of disabled care, dis- disabled representation on television, like and in movies. It was like it was that was the whole point was having a disabled. It was so that they could go, look, we're making a thing that in, that features a disabled person as a character. It wasn't just this is a character who happens to be disabled. So like. You know, I I would say that by this point in time they were, and I don't know if that was because they were learning from it or if they just weren't getting the same kind of like social cash from it that they were getting in the eighties and nineties. And but it's just you know I thought that was worth mentioning that like by yeah. by to the best of my googling, this actress who's playing Bonnie here is neurotypical, but is playing a disabled character and doing a half decent job at it. But just like not like you said, it's not offensive. Right. It's a little bit tokenized, but it's not like. It could be. It could much be so worse. much worse. Exactly. Then we go over to Luca and Carrie, who are working on Jimmy and Lauren. Whose films are those? With an additional take here. Oh Jesus! Yeah. So I got so mad at this, and it's probably just me being over pedantic, and that's <laughs> fine. But with this what moment, we're here for. so there are scans on the board already. They're clearly not Jimmy's scans because Luca has Jimmy's scans in his hand his films he takes them holds them up to the light right above jimmy's fucking body so carrie and him can look at them together and then they talk about what they see and then he takes the stack of films and sets them next to the light board (laughs) but not on the board where they could be of any use to anybody else just guys that is a decorative uh board not to be used by the doctors under any those are those are load-bearing films uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh god so that that was me uh when we were taking notes the other night i was just like what the fuck even by my standards come on but they're trying to isolate where the where jimmy's bleeding has come from and lydia actually gets to help in this drama hey. yay everybody's favorite uh what was it thirst trap damn straight yep. they uh did we all move to the or they try to. Yeah, they start to, and then they're gonna have to make a U-turn before they get him yeah. there. No, they go. To, they're trying to go to the CT scan. I thought. Uh, I I just heard that they got him stable enough to move him. I assumed it was up to the OR. It could have been to CT. I don't make mistakes. In the spirit of uh, jokes that'll make sense to like only the three of us, like any room that I can't see is the OR. Like <laughs> any go. place that isn't the ER is the OR. Uh, Benton, uh, we go over to Benton, uh, who, uh, tells Cleo that he's going to be taking Carla home and then pick up Reese's stuff from Cleo's place. Uh, poor Cleo is just getting it from all sides this episode. Like both oh. Carla and Benton are just treating her like shit here, treating her like she's stupid. And one of the coldest lines I think ever is this like, like very, uh, just like so good. dead and dead behind the eyes look from uh, Cleo as she walks away and says that she, I don't get called a bitch by anyone. And I was like, uh, there's going to be a dead person by the end of uh, the season. And I'm shocked that it's not Carla because like, I thought Cleo yep. was going to kill her. Like, just, yep. <laughs> which honestly is a are better sure ending. That, that's a murder face. Yeah, say, are we sure that Cleo was right? Involved? Maybe, maybe. Holy shit. There's the, there's the cannon right there. The new head cannon is that uh, Cleo just went out to the parking lot and, and cut Carla's brake lines. And <laughs> is this the second person we've cast as the murderer who was not actually the murderer in this show? Sure. Yeah. We well, sometimes EMT it's more guy. interesting than what they actually do. 
Like yeah, sometimes, sometimes fair. they let storylines end with wet farts, and occasionally you should do something interesting and make it so that you know that could have been a really interesting wrinkle to Cleo's character. Let's make her, yeah. and then and then all you uh, Corday Benton stands out there, of which I'm like lightly a part of, uh, you would be happy because everybody always like does the head at the end of the show that Cleo and Benton have broken up, even though there's yeah. no evidence of that whatsoever. Uh, they always do that so that they can then have their little fun ship pairing with uh, Corday and Benton. Like, which is great. it is great. I it is great. I, I love that. I love that that endures all the way to the end of the show. Uh, but if you really want to find an excuse to write Cleo out, make it so that she actually does it is involved in <laughs> Carla's death and <laughs> Benton eventually finds out about it. Too soap opera for. Now that Jake has watched Freefall, they dropped a fucking helicopter on a guy. I think it's okay. I think we can have a little bit of murder as a treat. You know what? When you're right, Daniel, you're right. uh, So Bonnie goes looking for Jimmy. She tells him what she needs to tell him what she wants for dinner. And he crashed. I'm pretty sure it's on the way to the CT scanner. So they had to bring him back. Yeah, because they said they never got him on the table. So... Or they never got him in the scanner. Whatever. Uh, we have a Joey sighting. We do. Like That's right front and I knew center. It. Like he's. I knew it because it wasn't Mark, but I thought it was Mark, so it must have been. Yeah, Joey. he's like framed up perfectly at the head of the gurney in the uh, trauma room. Yeah. And they're seeing if there's anything that they can do downstairs, or if he just needs to be rushed up without uh, to the OR without being stabilized. And then we go to Mark. Uh, says Ben. Mark says Ben says he's never. He never hurt his wrist, but his dad doesn't remember hurting it either. I think he's talking to Kim here, and Kim says that, yeah, he's a hostile kid, and they remark on how he quieted down immediately once his dad got there. Ben says that there's no violence in the home, and Mark says, you don't forget a broken bone or bruising like that. And uh, they're still working on Jim in the ER. He has crashed, and the paddles aren't doing much. And Lydia goes into the other room with Bonnie and closes the blinds. Is this the point where, like, he's still semi-conscious and is, like, trying to explain to... Or he's trying to tell Carrie, he like, said, he's, she doesn't have anybody he says else. something like, I'm the last one. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just... That really fucking cuts <clears throat> that, deep. I think this is... I think this is, like, this or when he crashes right before is when, it ha- when that yeah. happens. Fun times. Uh, so let's go down to the Riverwalk with Abby and Carter and listen in on their conversation. I'm starving. We could pick something up from Dr. McGoose. You know, if I were smart, I would have gone to lunch instead of getting reamed by my mother and the gaspy. And I don't get it because a week ago she wanted to have her committed and now she's completely on her side. Not about science. It felt like it was. All of a sudden it was all about me and what was my problem that I couldn't get on board with this plan she figured out. Would any plan have made you happy? No. When's the last time your mom was in therapy? I don't know, like 10 years ago. That's different. Yeah. So you got a choice. You can either hope that she makes it this time or give up. Right. Doesn't seem like you want to do that. I don't know what I want to do. Weaver dropped a bomb on me this morning. What happened? She bagged me for chief president. Really? Apparently, my rehab has caught up to me. No, I'm sorry. It's not your fault. Not exactly. I guess part of facing the problem is accepting that some people won't get over it. I'm sorry, John. Me too. For you. 
Uh, I want to first off applaud Carter with the line, it's not about sides mm-hmm. in regards to therapy. Good, good boy. Also, when Abby says, well, it kind of is my fault. I was like, oh, yeah, she was the one who started mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Feels like forever it ago. Does. It really does. And and again, yet another example of him not really, you know, like putting basically all the blame for this on, you know, Carrie, that it's like her inability to get over it, uh, get over his, you know, whole drug addiction relapse you know the not the fact that he relapsed. right he, her inability to get over it that's the real problem here and it's just like uh i don't me thinks you don't understand what's <laughs> what the actual root problem here is john oh god but he'll get better eventually kind of yeah uh we go back to slowly making our way towards the abbey and <sighs> together don't remind me for better don't or remind worse. me uh, we go from there back to the trauma room where Jim is a very not good, uh, having been cut wide open. Now they're doing internal compressions and, uh, which is, uh, and, and using the internal paddles, both of which never a good sign. Uh, he's been down for 35 minutes at this point. Uh, and while they're in the middle of trying to work on him, Bonnie walks in and tries to stop Carrie from shocking him. And that's when they, that's when they just kind of call it a day uh shortly after that they declare the time of death on him and uh carrie says that she'll break the news to bonnie and this sucks uh on a variety of levels uh but uh for now uh uh, we go uh, chen is going to join carrie to break the news to bonnie and carrie as always uh handles this beautifully um, and they tell her that uh, Jimmy went away the same way her parents went away in their crash. And uh, Bonnie, with just the line of the episode here, it's library night, and I get scared at night, and where's Jimmy? And it's just rip my heart in half and stomp on it in the street, why don't you? Uh, it's like she also brings up her like hamster that died that I can't remember the name of, and it's just it, like, and then she has like a another hamster that is just it's like uh it's like lisa's cat on the simpsons snowball and snowball two like she just has Mm -hmm. she has the same name but with two at the end of it which is adorable but uh uh this this sucks and they somehow find a way to make it worse by the end of the episode (laughs) so let's go over to kim talking to abby in the lounge and to assuage our broken hearts maybe ish i don't know and Abby's like, am I in trouble? <laughs> right? Am in trouble? Am I in trouble? Yes, I just okay. can't fucking type. Okay. Am in trouble. Yeah. Uh, Kim advocates that Abby needs to give Maggie a chance and calls Abby out for essentially running away from the therapy session. And Abby just is kind of thinks it's all bullshit and says, I don't think Happy's on the table. Mm. <laughs> And Lauren right in the feels on that one, I guess. Get that tattooed on my fucking forehead. Oh, um, boy. Are we not happy? You make me so happy. Okay. You're fine. Um, but then they can't find anyone that can pick Bonnie up right now. Um, Adele can only find her a placement ho- in a group home for right now, which Carrie's not thrilled with. She wants her somewhere a little bit, you know, more thriving, but... Carrier Chen will have to get her to the group home because the homes are understaffed and no one can come pick her up right now. And uh, Adele is then introduced to Ben and his dad, and Ben is being taken into emergency custody. This 
doesn't end well. I mean, it ends in great TV, but, you know. Yeah, it just... ends in one of the best episodes <laughs> yeah, of the series. But it doesn't end great for uh, especially Derek. Uh, yeah. Or Adele, for that matter. True, true. I like how they. The, this is really the first time that they've ever given her, like, I won't say the first time, but it's the, the first time in a long time, because I think the last time was when Doug was still on the show. Uh, yep. This is the first time in yeah. a while they've given her anything of substance to do. And and I should say, here, um, Dad is stopped by security because he tries to leave with Ben. Ben is dragged away by Adele. Uh, screaming and rage and crying ensues, and no one is happy. Because fuck us, right? Dad is not thrilled, to put it mildly. Well, then the the hits just keep on rolling, I guess. With this, with our final audio clip of the episode, uh, Abby comes home and is chatting with Maggie. Hi, hi. Guess what? The super finally fixed the stove fan, so I cooked dinner. Cucumber soup, a little salmon. Why don't you invite Luca to dinner? He's playing softball. That sounds like fun. Are you gonna go? I don't play. Um. The reason why I ran out today like that is because it's just, um, it's scary to hope too much, you know? Yeah. I know. I know I might not make it. But Abby, something happened to me in that ICU room. I realized I don't want to die. And more than that, I don't want my little girl to watch me die. I can't do that to you, not ever. That's what I wanted to tell you today. I'm gonna handle my life. And I want you to get on with yours. Okay. You can't put your life on hold anymore. Not on hold. What do you mean? You won't even go play softball with your boyfriend. So? I don't want to play. Stop sitting things out, Abby. I don't. Yes, you do. You can't use me as the reason for not doing the things you want to do in life. Go to medical school. Well, that's not so easy. Get married. I was married. Get pregnant. I was pregnant. What happened? I had an abortion. Some people aren't meant to be mothers. Abby, I was a lot younger than you are now when I had my first manic episode. I've watched you since you were a little girl. You're not bipolar. No, but my kids could be. But they might not be. They could be anything, and you will just love them, that's all. You never even told Richard, did you? No, I... Uh, I think that was the beginning of the end for us. Because we just stopped talking about everything. I just was too scared. I... I couldn't risk it. I just, I didn't want to. Turn into me? Yeah. Or have to end up taking care of another me? <laughs> oh, honey. 
Oh, sweetie, sweetie, sweetie. That's all there is, is risk. You just have to take a chance and leap into life. Otherwise, sweetheart, you're going to miss out on all the great things. Abby, you deserve all the great things. Do you hear me? So there's a lot here. <laughs> Lots to unpack. Lauren, how you feeling? No, it's not. <laughs> Everybody else went first. Okay. Okay. Because mine's just going to be a bunch more heavy bullshit, and I've already unloaded <laughs> enough on our listeners the past four fucking weeks. I mean, I don't know what's, what to say that wouldn't be uh, said better, than, better by you. That's my okay. problem here. I'm going to say the first thought that came to mind here, and then we can actually dissect. Uh, conversations I wish I could have had with my dad right here. If he had been in any you know, place it's funny. It, to it, have these conversations. funny you say that because that thought crossed my mind as I was listening to the clip and I thought about asking that. And then I was like, that seems insensitive and exploitative, so I'm not no, going to ask it. I, <laughs> I would, uh, Daniel, uh, you and I are close enough friends in this space. I have been transparent enough that I would not have all felt offended by you asking that. Yeah, this, um, especially when uh, she's talking about motherhood and, you know, why she wasn't having children and those fears. Um. Not necessarily the bipolar disorder specifically, but my dad passed me the shittiest fucking gene pool. I love, like, <laughs> I, I love it gets my better every day. I love my parents, but uh, a plot twist: we found out that his side of the family, uh, I might have MS too. So like, if the hits keep coming, I am in no- never birthing children because <laughs> this exact fear of like, you don't know what shitty genetic lottery you're gonna give them and. I f- keep finding out how much worse that side of the gym yeah. pool is, and I'm just I, not. If there's ever going to be a child here in this household, I do it. Yeah, it's going to be an adult. I always child. joke that my gene pool is three feet deep and overchlorinated. Like it's just yeah. like <laughs> there's <laughs> like there's there's just a lot going on in there that's not pleasant, you know, for anyone. But like on both sides, but yeah. So like, but yeah, going going back to this though, it's definitely just like. We talk about how I've I've lived through some of the heaviest moments with Maggie and Abby, and then we get to this where it's not necessarily a full reconciliation, but you clearly see the dam break. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, when these, not necessarily conversations, but when these warmer moments started to happen with my dad again, it was already when he was, when the Alzheimer's had already started. Right. So, like, there was never a chance for this. Right, you never got that full kind of full circle moment. No. I was at least able to be with him his last 10 years and like be there for him and like reconnect in that way. But we were, my sister and I were never going to get this level of closure on a, on a show level, you know, on a fiction, on a fictional level. uh, It is nice to see uh, for a change. It is nice to see uh, more Tierney get to drive Mm -hmm. and have Sally field, you know, back cleanup. Like it's, it's, it's nice to have, it's nice to be shown and be reminded that this is a pretty even pairing in terms of like, uh, dramatic ability and like talent, like Maura Tierney can bring it almost to mm-hmm. the same level that Sally Field can. And because yeah. of the nature of this storyline, it's very easy to let Maggie and Sally take the lead on a lot of things and provide that emotional charge in these scenes and to flip the script on it for a change and get let more tyranny do the driving is really nice and like really well done. 
And I just want to say, listeners, I'm sorry. I promise in a couple more weeks, we won't have to have this be the Lauren therapy hour. <laughs> no, I promise actually, we're next almost week, done. Next week, we're just going to talk murder, 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 <laughs> murder, murder, murder. I'm saying in ne- general. Next week, there will like, be a four-page listener response from Jake about how every male character on this show is a murderer. And <laughs> yep, and that's fine. But yeah, just, just I'm, I'm almost done, guys. I'm almost done for a yeah. while. I'm sorry. Uh, My only criticism of, of this scene... Is that it feels a little soap opery when she says you have to take risks? No, with uh, with she said I had an abortion. Just that that no. r- that wrinkle to it seems a little. I I think the way it comes out, I think it feels authentic enough to the eh. conversation. It's always is that, the wrong way. Is that that's fair, something that but... has been? I feel like that's something that has been mentioned before. They talk, right? I think I think they've mentioned it like once before as an aside to another storyline right. where like. She was she was maybe talking to a teenage girl or something. I think it was just the delivery that rubs me the yeah. wrong way. Okay, it's it's like me with Mark's "I love you too, Dad." Yeah, yeah. I mean I can see that. Which and, listeners uh, still I mean, won't let know, me live that. We're, we're we're sort of getting we're not there yet, but we're getting closer to the time frame where you know we are going to get to see a little bit more of the soap opera side of the show. So you know, yeah, cannot you're, you're, you're wait. heading that way. Uh, but. Mark's getting his head in the game, so to speak. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, on that note, and, uh, <laughs> and Lauren's gone. Gary is uh, getting Bonnie into a cab to go to the group home, and uh, she says that uh, uh, the cabbie needs to make sure that Bonnie is met by an adult when she gets to the home. And just a heartbreaking scene. Let's just you know twist the knife just a little deeper on this uh, storyline before we let it go. Uh, exactly with that motion lauren i'm picturing the little i don't know if you guys have seen it but the little drawing of the cartoon duck holding a knife peace was never an option lizzie might know the one i'm talking about. i know exactly the one i know Um, exactly the one you're talking about but anyway carry on let's go to something a little happier though the softball game yay and they're all so cute in all their sports gear uh abby shows up to play after all and maggie has come to hang out too oh but we see Kim has been talking to Ben again and she walks out to talk to Mark and she says some vocabulary for a seven-year-old, which I absolutely adore. That's such a cute line. But uh, Mark has found history of other fractures and injuries. Spiral fractures at that, which is uh, yeah. one of the bad ones. I mean, there's no such thing as a good fracture, but uh, a spiral fracture is particularly, yeah. uh, particularly gross. <sighs> well. Uh, we then go from there. Carrie uh, gives Kim the letter, uh, telling her, you know, all about how she feels and all that good stuff. Uh, we then see Mark talking to Ben about his injuries. Uh, and then, whew, boy, Ben here. Uh, I'm bad a lot. I make too much noise when I play and I leave messes and admits that his dad hurts him. And the way that he breaks his arm is by which manages to both be child abuse and like kind of like doesn't pass the 2022 smell test of problematic nomenclature like of like gives him indian burns like but that's yeah. what we I used mean to I know that's what, yeah, I know I, I know that's what it used to be called but it's just like it, it's like man that's a twofer right there it's but this is both child abuse and mildly problematic um fun yeah uh and, you know, the, the justification to end all justification, Ben says he wouldn't do it if I wasn't bad. Uh, boy. Poor kid. Uh, let's, well, at least, we, at least we end the episode on a little sillier note. Oh, God, yes. Uh, they, get another, uh, they get another run at the softball game, and Luca's batter up, and Abby makes, 
makes a run a run around and then goes to sit with Maggie. And they're have and they're just talking all nice and then Luca hits a foul ball and then just the absolute fucking dorkiest run ever Ugh. around the bases. Ta- watching tall dudes run, it makes my day because they're just they're they just have so many limbs. Like, like it's yeah. just, I, just, I just, just I just a lanky motherfucker. I have to hope that this was uh, affectation though. I have to hope that he put this on for the sake of the character. Like uh, if if, know, if Goran Vishnik actually runs this way, I think we need to have an intervention. Uh, Jen Turp is going to write us a five-page essay about his running stature. Of course, because she's analyzed. She's done a gait analysis on his <laughs> his running style. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a very it's a very sweet way to end the episode. We get just a hint of my emotional support, Martin Davich, at the end of the episode there with the swelling, uh, which I believe is the same. Um, uh, God damn it, I'm I'm blanking on it now. I think it's called the hero. Like it's it's mm. it's a it's a it's a piece that they have used over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, it's just like a very sweet way to end an episode that like this, this is a perfect like setup, uh, like not to, not to like bemoan the baseball analogy, but like this is a perfect setup pitch episode for the home run. That is next episode. Mm -hmm. Like this, this episode does everything it needs to do to like, just dribble a little breadcrumb trail for you to lead to next episode, but also like give you a few other things to like tide you over in the meantime. Yeah. But, like, my main problem with the episode is that there's just too much downer shit. Like, they end both the shitty, the not the shitty storylines, but both the downer storylines in, like, the most heartbreaking way possible. Yeah. And it's like, ah, I wouldn't, this is not one I would really rewatch. Oh, oh yeah, it's, it's not a recommend, like, in terms of, like, hey, if you oh. want to just, like, pop one on and, and watch, it's not yeah. a great. This was- this is one of my favorites. It's good. I like from uh I think it's a perfect bookend to this season's uh Abby Maggie uh you know dalliances. Yeah. I think it's a perfect Started way from to the visit now we're here. Right. It's it's a perfect way to like put a pin into that for for now. We're not done with Maggie, but like this is some of I mean this is definitely the darkest period I think that we will spend with Maggie. Everything from here with Maggie tends to be more positive, and it's it's Abby's brother that gets all the dark stuff, and so well, that'll be fun. Yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Like, but so like I forgot about it, but just it's anyway. it, it's just you know the and, and even the the uh, Bonnie storyline with Carrie, like it's still it's a bummer, but it's still done very yeah. well. Like there's really not much in this episode that I don't like. Yeah, everything's well done. I just wish they would have taken some of the, the bummer shit and spread it out a bit, a little bit. Yeah, but just a, a little, you, little when you, less. When you realize next week is going to be all killer, no filler, right? Then you kind of have to. If you if you want to do these storylines, you got to do them now. So it gets a seven out of ten for me, just because I don't like that it's all here. Mm-hmm. It makes it hard. To, the episode hard to watch for me. Sure, but it does. You're right. It does set up perfectly for our season finale next week. Mm-hmm. Like this Lauren. is, this is the mozzarella sticks before the double cheeseburger next week. Like Ooh. this is oh, mozzarella sticks. I'd rewatch it. It's it stay solid enough, but you know, like not top episodes, but yeah, perf- perfectly cromulent. All right. But what the listeners have to say about it though, boy, what didn't they have to say? Daniel, I might tap in at some point. Um, Valerie Z says this episode, damn, it gets me every time. The scene between Carrie and Bonnie at the end was just so beautifully acted. The actress playing Bonnie deserves an award. The other thing that's 
stuck out to me in that whole interaction was just that I feel so bad for so badly for Carrie. Being in her position, she always has to do the unpleasant things. Intubating a woman against her wife's wishes because of the archaic laws, calling the authorities on unsafe work area on the unsafe work area that ultimately ultimately ended up leaving people having to be deported, having to do the quote right thing and send Bonnie to a group home. Incredibly heartbreaking. Carrie truly has a very difficult job, and I'm not talking about her being a doctor. Every rewatch of the series, she gains more and more respect from me. Amen. Yep. Atlia 1989 says, This is one of my favorite episodes because of its emotional depth across the board. And the closing scene that just makes me happy. I couldn't help notice the way Maggie and Abby are linked so clearly by their clothing on that walk. Yes, thank you. I forgot to put that in the notes, but excellent catch. I love it. Um, it's an effective little choice in an episode where they end up on more, on more of the same page. But their moving conversation in Abby's apartment, straight into the gut-wrenching scene with Carrie putting Bonnie into a cab, my heart needed a commercial break. They really knew how to pile on the emotion, and I really, really felt it. And I'll always love when Sally Field varies her tone and repeats the line, a line of dialogue like she does three times with, That's a foul ball! All I think of <laughs> is, the icon- is the iconic, the whole time scene from Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Maybe the repetition is the liberty she takes with the line she's given. Whatever it is, it elevates the scene, and I'm a total fan of it. That li- that line from Mrs. Doubtfire and that and the way she delivers it lives rent free in my head. Not only because it's an excellent line read, but also because it is my mother. Like that is that that is a Margie line straight like through and through. Like that, especially the way she delivers it too. Like the whole time, the whole the whole time. Like just that growl at the end is just like ah. I still need to meet your mom at some point. Just She's mellowed out a lot. She's mellowed out a lot. But there was a time in my life where that woman scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and the, at the full-time dad says, There are some storylines that add nothing to the actual narrative, but they stick with you. For me, that's the story of Molly and her brother. That would be Bonnie. Uh, that final I like my home scene is crushing. There are things that transcend all boundaries. Home is one of them. Carla gives us one one last lasting image of why we can't stand her, coming on to Peter, eventually sicking Roger on him and cussing Cleo out for what was an honest mistake. Just ew. And we get our first look at Derek Fawson. Mark's instincts were dead on to take his son away from him. But why didn't he and Adele take the next logical step, get the police involved? Guy should have been in jail, not allowed to stew in his feelings for a week before going kill Bill on the city of Chicago. Spoilers, Aaron. And we get our last image of Luby. God, I hate that pairing name. Cockhart, it's right there. V1.0, they're both awful. V1.0 in good times. With Luca's (laughs) absolutely adorable foul ball home run. It's a fun scene that reminds me of how fun Luca can be when his character isn't being weighed down by guilt from his past or from beating up wife beaters and purse snatchers. Can't wait for the finale. It's the most explosive one yet, and probably ever. And Grace B says, Jingmei's monologue is the biggest reason why I'm nominating her for most improved character, and holy shit, I forgot to rant about the monologue. God, I love Chen. She's amazing. Um... And Carter's attitude about why Weaver doesn't want to add Chief Resident to his plate makes a little sense. Maybe? 
in that his primary way of dealing with stuff seems to be shoving down any issues and denying that big things are as big as they are, but mostly it's frustrating. He's in permanent denial or something. P.S. I think Carrie's biggest flaw is that she often struggles to truly appreciate perspectives that don't align with her own, and I love that in her character. It adds such a wonderful depth and dimension. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get a, an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, who's in a new... Oh, my God! It's in a Santa horror movie. Yes! Guys, fucking Abe Ben Ruby is playing murderous Santa in a horror movie for this holiday season. Oh, my God! Yeah. It looks so gory, it and, yet, awful, I, and but... yet I kind of want to see it just for, <laughs> for goddamn Abe. We're ki- I'm kind of trying to push to make it an ER movie. I mean, you know. Uh, t- actually, technically, uh, this episode, I believe, if I looked at my calendar correctly, this episode is uh, dropping on for our American listeners on Thanksgiving. Uh, so, no. technically speaking, it's Christmas season now. So, you know, we could be... Uh, in... No, it's still Thanksgiving on this day. Well, so... after this episode is done and after they've yeah. listened to it, then, you know, we can shift gears to murderous Jerry Santa. Just getting PTSD vibes from all my retail experience and Christmas music. and uh, I'm healing uh, you from that. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, you can get also two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews and over 55 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, and movie reviews where we talk about a movie movie featuring an ER cast member. As well as Whose Fixer Those, where Lauren reads us some ER fan fiction. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter, for as long as that remains. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official San Antonio community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel Working Folks on you at. They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren Working Folks on you at. I don't know. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on Twitter, so... I don't know when I decide if I'm migrating platforms or anything else. I guess I'll plug my Instagram because I never plug that. Go. I don't post on it ever, but I might be posting on Instagram more, you guys. Uh, my Instagram is not the same as my Twitter. It is Lobo92345. L O B O. L O B O92345. So if you want to follow me on Twitter and see how rarely I post, which might be changing, now's the time to there follow me on Instagram, not Twitter. Instagram, Lobo92345. Well, I'm kind of on. A ride or die on the Twitter sinking ship. So you can find me there. I'm at random gamer. That's J M G A. Try it again. It's G A M three R. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks to everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time for the season finale and have a great week. Bye.